0: I want to share something with you this morning. Oh, no, I, I don't really know what this week uh, you know, happened during the course of my week that I ended up kind of looking into the story of the butterfly, which is what we're going to be uh, diving into this morning. But here I am talking about the story of the butterfly for our Sunday message this morning. So, Does anybody know anything about the process of a butterfly's life? Anybody know? You know it's called metamorphosis? (gasps) Abby does. Maybe I should hear You want to help me this morning? Yeah, you would? What do you know about the, the metamorphosis, about the story of a butterfly? Yes, that's right. She was saying, yes, very good. That's very good. And that's even, you know, on the spot this morning. I'm up here with all in my nerves and I I got to prepare my answer, but she's right on the spot. She did great. That's great, Abby. That's right. She was talking about change and that butterflies when they come out, there's something different. And so we're going to we're going to talk about specifics of what Abby introduced to us this morning. Thank you for that. So this process from a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly is called uh, metamorphosis. That's a fancy word for what Abby said, change. And scientific word, you know, the big ones, they're all scientific and they all end in s all the time. So, <laughs> and I'm kind of disappointed to be honest. As I was preparing for today, I thought, the so one time I preach about a bug, our resident bug expert, uh, Caleb, is not here this morning. I mean, I know they're probably here via online or whatever, but um, he's not here this morning and he was doing some research. If you guys uh, remember last year, he'd go around the church, kind of look for bugs or ask people from church to bring bugs to him because he had a class he was taking Then he was learning about uh, insects. I don't know, I'm saying bugs, but that's probably offensive to scientists, so... Anyway, he can hand me his notes and comments about this later, and I'll uh, brush it up for the next time I use this. But this branch of scientific research that studies uh, butterflies, you know, there's a name for everything, and it's called... Lepidopterology. Did you guys hear that? Lepidopterology. It's called Lepidop... Okay. And... I just thought this was genius because I thought now every time I preach from the Old Testament I don't have to stumble over all the silly names, they're not silly, but all the names in the Old Testament that makes us bite our tongues when we say it. I'm just going to do this. I was like, this is genius. If that, there's one takeaway from the sermon, that's it. Just genius. Use your phones when you can't pronounce something. So that's the study of scientific research. Um, and so I want to, for the next few minutes, attempt to describe this process of metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly. So if I could have my first slide, please. Uh, what you see on your screen here in just a minute is that a, a caterpillar. That's what they're going to bring up for you. And all butterflies begin as caterpillars. And also when I Googled caterpillar. I spelled it C-A-T-A-P-I-L-L-E-R. Does, doesn't everybody say caterpillar? But no, it's caterpillar. Like what? That's hard. So learn that too. Anyway, butterflies begin as caterpillars and um, there's various types of caterpillars. That's why we see such a beautiful array of and colors of butterflies, you know, in the spring and summer seasons, so many different shades and vibrant colors that we get to see. And it's neat when something in creation that God created teaches uh, us something about us. And so I think that's just so neat. We can look to his creation to learn more about God and teach us something about God, but also teach us something about us. So we have all these beautiful butterflies uh, that uh, begin as caterpillars, and caterpillars when they're born, they're born on a little leaf or a stem, and they just eat. Their whole life's purpose is to eat and eat and eat. It's everybody's dream, and they get to eat on the leaves that they crawl and uh, crawl on, and they just eat and they eat big, big, big amounts. you know, caterpillars can get pretty big and fat, which is what. Uh, the Internet, you know, Google search on caterpillars said that's what makes them such a juicy uh, food for birds and other things that eat caterpillars because they get so fat, they're eating so much. So they live to eat, and, you know, if you've ever read the children's book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, you know, the whole book is about what the caterpillar ate until it got so big it had to go into its next uh, stage, which is what we'll talk about. So they eat and they eat. Until their appetite start, start, starts to change. And they just don't want to eat anymore. And that's their body's way of saying, we're, getting, we're preparing for this next stage. And so as the caterpillar's appetite begins to change, um, they kind of wander away from this, you know, huge diet of leaves and find a sheltered spot. And they get to that spot because they're getting ready to transform. For example, um, not all caterpillars have exactly the same process, but it's very similar throughout. But for example, one type of caterpillar, it makes a little uh, silk pad on the underside of a branch or a twig, and it it hooks its covered appendages um, and attaches itself to this little pad that it's made on the twig, and it twists around and embeds itself in this silk that it's made, and um, it sheds its skin. It sheds the skin, which reveals the chrysalis. So the chrysalis is what we often, there it is, is what we often call a cocoon, but I guess that's not technically what it is. It's this chrysalis. And the chrysalis hangs upside down and, and it and the butterfly until the butterfly is ready uh, to emerge. And so the body of that caterpillar reveals when it sheds its skin for the, the last time in its chrysalis. I'm just reading directly from an internet page that I found here. You know, I didn't memorize this. I'll forget it tomorrow. But, um, and so this shell is what protects the little caterpillar so that it can transform. So what happens in this chrysalis, okay? Essentially, what happens is the death of the caterpillar And what we know is this process of transformation uh, in the miracle and the mystery of the process of metamorphosis. And in becoming a butterfly, the caterpillar, you know, in other uh, insects and nature, uh, when something grows and transforms, it goes from one state to another state. For example, we can observe a tadpole, how all frogs start, and the, and the tadpole begins to grow into a frog. But what's different with the process of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly, uh, it's a little bit of a different process. The caterpillar is essentially lost in this process in the chrysalis. Um, it's it's replaced by something completely different. I think I read somewhere that basically the legs of the caterpillar are one thing that survives what happens in that chrysalis. But through uh, all of this change and what it undergoes, what a caterpillar undergoes in the chrysalis, for lack of a better word, a caterpillar it it, com- it dies. It's completely undone. Um, now I was reading scientific research here and these are the words they used the caterpillar turns into a goo the caterpillar turns into a, um, uh, it, it, it it becomes undone is a word it used it becomes this like goo it's it's like stem cells it said basically it loses its shape and form doesn't look like a caterpillar anymore it's like this you know this and it and it's like this goo so but the loss of the caterpillar is complete inside of this chrysalis. And, um, you know, it says these dormant genes within the caterpillar that are there for this time and place. They're activated and they dissolve. That's the word I was looking for. They dissolve its own tissue into a genetic soup. I just was like laughing so hard. I'm like, wow, that's, that's the best it gets. And do these people have PhDs? I mean, uh, can't find a better word than that, but So um, then there's kind of this free-floating material, what was once a caterpillar begins to recreate itself into something entirely new. But, you know, this point that for the butterfly to be made into something new to recreate itself, uh, the caterpillar must be completely undone. The caterpillar must uh, be gone. Essentially, all of it is gone. And, you know, there's, the, the, the scientists call this kind of a miraculous process, and there's still this, you know, I used the word a, a few minutes ago, there's still this kind of mystery, like does the caterpillar feel pain? What what does the caterpillar feel when this process is occurring? And they really can't answer that question, but just assume that it has to be unpleasant to just melt into goo. Um, and so it's this unpleasant process, but In order for a beautiful butterfly to emerge, the process has to happen. It has to occur. Um, If you want to move to the next slide, you may. There it is. So this caterpillar, at some point during its process, it begins to emerge from its outer coating. It separates from the body, uh, much like a snake skin. I think all of us have seen snakes when they molt and there's that skin left over what they, and they, they grew, so they have to leave the small skin behind, and, and they have a fresh skin that's around them. And so they, they have this kind of the same same thing. You see there the little chrysalis that's hanging, and the butterfly has emerged. And um, when the fully developed butterfly emerges in the chrysalis, it leaves behind, it emerges from the chrysalis. Inside the chrysalis is this goo that remains Um, and it's, you know, it's now waste. It's now not needed. Butterfly doesn't need that anymore to survive. It leaves what it didn't need behind and has exactly what it needs to move forward. So I thought this was interesting. One more little example to kind of wrap our minds around this, this miracle and mystery of inside the chrysalis is that uh, one article said, think of it as recycling. If you drop a plastic bottle off in a recycling bin, it gets melted down into an entirely different shape. And so that's kind of what they, how they explain what happens inside this chrysalis. Um, and get this, I thought this was interesting, that the amount of time required for a caterpillar to completely transform into the beautiful butterfly varies from species to species, but in general, you know, takes some weeks to some months. Some, uh, chrysal- some caterpillars are inside their chrysalis through the entire winter month to em- then emerge in the spring. And um, according to research at Georgetown University, the caterpillars and butterflies that emerge from chrysalises may remember some of their lives as a caterpillar. I don't know how they know that, but there might be some indicators when they uh, observe these things that that's taking place. So, you know, needless to say, this process of metamorphosis that a caterpillar undergoes to become a butterfly is truly an incredible one. and, you know, I was watching, you know, it's, you, have, you, get, you get stuck on watching the videos on the internet of them emerging, and someone from the, the visual team uh, said, would you, or maybe it was Arash said, oh, are you going to show a video of the process and of the butterfly, like, emerging? I'm like, no, if we go down that road, it's just going to become, like, the next, let's watch the next one, you know, if we're just going to go down, but it is amazing, and maybe some of you right now, anybody on their phone right now watching this process? It's okay. I asked. You can answer. You're not going to get in trouble. Um, But it is really neat. You know, you get stuck watching videos and just, how does it, that's amazing. It goes in one thing and completely comes out a different thing. And so, why am I talking about this process of uh, metamorphosis of a butterfly? Because it's an incredible story about transformation. And it creates this excellent analogy for Christians and our own process of transformation as we move from sinners to sinners saved by grace. We sang about that this morning in our songs. Uh, Leela spoke about that in her uh, Just a Taste this morning. And one article said, In nature, there's no shortage of metaphors for personal change. Lots of insects, lots of animals go through processes of change and transformation and adaptation and, and all of that sort of thing for survival purposes. But one of the best is the butterfly. So it's already been alluded to this morning that in our small groups that this week, we hold our small groups every uh, other week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we just discussed the process of discipleship and what that looks like as Christians, you know, how it begins, what what the process is like, as as we live this life with our this new our our, our new uh, name in Christ. And so we talked about that in our groups. And you know, transformation and being a Christian, or the word Christian, transformation and Christian um, go hand in hand. You can't be a Christian without being transformed, without that transformation. And even then, transformation isn't a one-time happening. As we just discussed, it's it's this ongoing process that we talked about in discipleship, uh, uh, our small groups this week, for Christians as we strive, even imperfectly. That was probably my favorite part of our lessons, how we, we walk this process of transformation imperfectly, but with a perfect God, in order to be more like him. But before we kind of look at, you know, flip from caterpillars to the human process of transformation, we first have to talk about the fact that we begin as caterpillars. I'm talking about spiritually, okay? We all begin as caterpillars. What do I mean by this? You know, these poor caterpillars, they, they don't get to stay caterpillars, um, but it's really for the better. These beautiful butterflies uh, we need butterflies in our world to have our trees and our flowers to provide us food, to provi- you know, for the animal kingdom, but also for us. And so, b- butterflies are uh, extremely ex- essential. Um, and uh, I mean that we're caterpillars like caterpillars, because like the caterpillars, all of humanity, we need to be transformed into a new creation through salvation in Christ. Amen because of the effects of sin. When sin entered our world, and we can read about that in Genesis chapter 3 with the act of Adam and Eve's disobedience to God, as a result of their sin, you know, and, and, and for the first time, and ever since then, humanity will experience both physical and spiritual death. From what we understand, From scriptures, there was no such thing as a physical or spiritual death before the time in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were with God for however much time that was until this is uh, what we have recorded in scriptures. And it was a perfect existence for them. Uh, and, And we weren't created for a death of any kind. So although humanity will still experience... Um, a physical death the bible is the story of how god rescues all of humanity all of us the whole world from a spiritual death through his plan of salvation so that we can be with him for eternity just as god intended in the first place and what we were created for amen but it does just like the caterpillars process it does require a death in order to have this new life. So I want to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. And I want us to read about this life-changing transformation that's available to all of us, um, here, captured in this story. Now, this story here begins with a conversation between Jesus, uh, in the life of his ministry, and one of the Jews Uh, that was one of the higher-ranking spiritual leaders um, at the time, named Nicodemus. And chapter 3 begins with this man, and it says that Nicodemus sought out, he called Jesus rabbi, teacher, he sought out Jesus because he knew and heard of the miracles of God that were happening through this person, Jesus. And he became curious about him. Curiosity is a good thing. When it's led, you know, by the Lord, it leads us to finding and seeking for ourselves uh, truths and answers. And uh, But he had to protect himself, the scripture tells us, at, because of his reputation. Because he was this high-ranking spiritual leader uh, among the Jews. And it says that he traveled by night to find Jesus to then, uh, under the cover of darkness, ask Jesus his questions. Because this this man Jesus was acting a lot like the god that he served out of the New Testament, uh, sorry, the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus had been performing miracles. He'd been hearing about these things. And these are the things, uh, characteristics and things that only God could do. And so he was curious to see who is this man displaying the power of his god, which is the god of the Old Testament scriptures. And so let's read there in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He's speaking to Nicodemus. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Now, we're reading out of the NLT, but I read uh, this same passage out of um, the NET, which is another translation, and the NET says, rather than it says here, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit, uh, it says, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from above. And so you can use the word being born again or being born from above interchangeably. Um, the word means the same thing uh, in, the, in the original language. But I really liked that from above. I thought that made it a little bit more clear. But Jesus, the way Nicodemus had asked, uh, Nicodemus didn't quite get what Jesus was saying anyway. So Jesus further explains that. That you have to be born of water and of spirit. You know, I think I had already mentioned that, that scientists call this process of metamorphosis and what happens inside that little chrysalis a miraculous event. But what happens inside the chrysalis is also a bit of a mystery. What we do know, and what I was explaining about with the whole goo and it t- dissolving and turning into this blob rather than looking like a caterpillar anymore, what we do know is that a death has to occur in order to have new life. And although how this happens exactly isn't quite understood, we do see the beautiful result of this process in the chrysalis when that beautiful butterfly emerges from it when the process is complete. And interestingly enough, In verse 6 of the same chapter of uh, John, chapter 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, uh, he continues and he says, you can't explain how people are born of spirit. Because Nicodemus didn't quite get it. Well, do we go back into my mother's womb? How are we born again? And Jesus says, we can't really explain this. Uh, Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit is what gives birth to our spiritual lives. And we can try to describe it. We try to describe it to one another. Those of us who have had an experience of being born spiritually through water and spirit baptism, we try to put some words to it. We use scriptures that guide us and lead us in understanding that process. But that personal experience with God, even in our Christian walk, is a miraculous event. But it's also a bit of a mystery. And it's not in the spooky sense, you know, none of the spooky stuff in the word mystery. But in the sense that God knows all, he knows all. He knows what goes on in that chrysalis. We haven't figured that out yet. Maybe we don't need to know. What we need to know is what it becomes and that's important. And so we don't know, but God knows all. And it's his work being done in us and making us new. But according to the scripture, we do know, the same thing we know about the caterpillar, that a death has to occur in order to have new life. When God gives life in the natural sense, you know, at conception and with a baby's first breath at birth, it's a miraculous event, there's no doubt about that. With every birth of a baby, we celebrate that, and each one is a miracle. Uh, But there's also a mystery In that miraculous. And Jesus is talking about, to Nicodemus, what we just read, this other miraculous event that uh, occurs when we're born again spiritually. And so that phrase, from above, that uh, the NET translation uses, even further clarifies the source of where this spiritual rebirth uh, stems from and comes from. And it helps us understand what to expect. Um, we don't have to crawl around and be like, "Will you be my new mom? You're younger. Can you rebirth me?" You know, we don't. We don't have to crawl around looking for that. It comes from the Lord. Just kidding. So silly. Uh, but you know, Nicodemus was having a hard time. It's kind of. It's you just want to laugh at him, but then you're like, "I guess there's no stupid questions." Um, but uh, the natural cannot birth the spiritual. That's why the Jesus said, it's water and it's spirit. It comes from above. It's a different source that's birthing this new thing. But a death has to occur. And we all have to die to ourselves and to our own will. So this isn't a physical death we're talking about. But spiritually, in order to experience the birth that comes from Above and God being the source of that, the only source of that. We all have the same father as a family of Christ. We all come from the same source in this spiritual rebirth. And so that moment when we place our faith in God, death of ourself begins in that moment. And through the act of repentance, repentance simply means we commit to turn from our old ways of living and being and thinking in order to live according to what the Bible says, in order to follow Christ, in order to live the way God wants us to live. So we prepare ourselves for that spiritual death uh, that happens when we go down in what Jesus told Nicodemus, when we go down in the waters of baptism described in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, for we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power, we now also, as power, now we also may live new lives. Amen. And that's the miracle of it. And so the how and the when and the where and the why that any of us individually choose to seek a relationship with God hopefully, at some point in our lives, is as individual as we are. And so there's no formula. There's no perfect equation to follow. um, And we can try and describe that grace that we sang about this morning. Um, We can try and describe that grace that we read about in scriptures. But even then, I find that, you know, even I struggle to find adequate words to describe being on the receiving end of God's grace, Amen. So, the Scripture does guide us. So, not to say that it's all a mystery and it's like, well, pff, I, uh, then I don't know how to be—I don't know how to find salvation. I don't know how to be transformed. I don't. Then, if it's a mystery, then eh, you know. No, the Scripture tells us a lot. It does guide us in our understanding of what God has for us if we'll accept it. And that's not a mystery to us. It becomes our hope. Amen. So let's find out what Jesus has for us. In the next few verses of Romans chapter 6, if we continue reading, verses 5 through 8, it says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to new life as he was. We, uh, let's see as he was, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Amen. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Well, how do we die with Christ? That's what Jesus explained to Nicodemus through water baptism and spirit baptism. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. There's the hope for us. That's the butterfly side, amen, of this whole process for us. And the interesting thing is, just like the caterpillars, the process of this transformation looks different. Should it? We talked about this in, in our small groups this week. Well, because it only took me, you know, not really, but for example, it only took me a week to come to the decision to Have faith in Christ and follow his word and let him save me. Does that mean everybody else? Then, uh, in a week, you need to make up your mind. Once you've heard it, make up your mind in a week. No, our, our process, our transformation, it's individual. It's different for each of us. It takes time. And to give each other time to figure this out and respond to God's spirit. He's the one who's drawing us. Respond to the Lord. So Jesus said that anyone who wants to see the kingdom of God must be born of water and spirit in several passages of scripture, of which I just read the one out of uh, the Gospel of John today. But the death to our old self occurs also through a spirit baptism. I read the chapter of Romans, uh, uh, Romans 6, which speaks to the water baptism being raised going down in the waters of baptism, to then be raised um, into newness of life with Christ, where uh, that process, that miraculous process, and a bit mysterious uh, process of transformation takes place as the blood of Christ is applied in our lives in the water of baptism. But the scriptures tell us there's also a spirit baptism that's recorded in uh, the book of Acts, of the, in, in, in the Acts of the disciples of Jesus, Jesus had instructed his disciples after his ascension, uh, following his resurrection, to wait for him, to pour out his spirit. And so they had experienced the water baptism uh, that John the Baptist preached and that Jesus preached, but Jesus said, now it's time to go and wait for the spirit baptism of what I have spoken about because you have not yet received that. And so many of them did. Some of them didn't. But uh, in the book of Acts we read many of them followed Jesus' instruction and it happened as Jesus said it would. He poured out his spirit in the book of Acts Acts, uh, chapters 1 and 2. You can read about that. And we call it the day of Pentecost. It happened on the day of Pentecost. And the scriptures describe this experience. Again, it's a miraculous experience. It's a bit of a mystery. But we have what's described in the book of Acts. And it says, As the people that were gathered and as Jesus' disciples were praying, the Spirit fell on them. They spoke in a language that was not their own. And that was the evidence that the Lord had poured out his Spirit among them. Uh, That's recorded in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 echoes Jesus's teachings when Peter says to be baptized by water and by the Spirit. And this is the way that God continues. Some of us here have experienced the water baptism in Jesus. Some of us here have experienced the Spirit baptism that the Holy Spirit will pour out on all or any seeking. And how does it happen? Well, it's a bit of a mystery, but we know the miracle of it still happens the same way that it was poured out in the book of Acts. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. It's a gift that is for any and all today. You can be listening online and receive this gift that the Lord has for you if you seek him. So I pray today that the Lord is stirring our hearts to listen to the the teaching that Jesus gave to Nicodemus, which is the teaching that for us here today, Jesus would say the same if we were Nicodemus seeking him out, asking the same question. And, you know, many of you, if you've ever been around here or online, if you've ever been able to participate uh, with us by viewing a baptism service that follows um, the preaching usually, uh, either by water or by spirit. By spirit, we we love to rejoice. People rejoice over a new baby in the family. And we love to rejoice when the Lord pours out his spirit and when people make that decision to go down in his name. Yes, we rejoice. We celebrate what God has done. And yet, another person's life, we celebrate that. So this decision to live for God means that there's a death that has to occur. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. We have to die to our flesh, to our carnality. We have to de- te- deny our humanity. We have to, in our, the desires of our self-will. And, you know, just like scientists kind of don't know, I don't know what does a caterpillar feel when it turns into the soup, genetic soup. But, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, it's unpleasant. This process, this choice, can feel unpleasant. It can even be painful. Amen. But, you know, these painful processes produce beautiful things. And we're shedding that old skin, um, which is kind of gross. But we're shedding that old skin, our old ways. It's unpleasant to think about. It is, but it's worth it. And we trust God to lead us. We trust God to be our strength we trust that god is making something new just as he did for you know the family member that witnessed to us or the stranger that showed us kindness or when we open the bible and we read about the the way the lord changes lives that god does the same for us he's the source this transformation in christ is recorded here in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 and it says This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That caterpillar, there's very, very little left of the caterpillar when it becomes a butterfly. And for us, too, what we turn from, there's probably a lot we leave behind. But we've become a new person. And the old life is gone, it says, and a new life has begun. The caterpillar eat so many leaves that it's ready for a new life. Some of us, we remember, we ate, we're done with the leaves. That's what helps us turn to Christ. I need something else, amen? We were done with that. And uh, it, 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 it's that indicator. We are ready for a new life. And the Lord says, I've got it for you, amen. If you think about how God made creation, how God made everything out of nothing. Start in the book of Genesis, chapter one. You'll read it one, two, three, four, five, six days in a row. God made something out of nothing. He just simply created. That's what He did. Uh, in other translations of the 2 Corinthians passage that I just read, it says that we're made, this one said, we're become a new person. Other translations say, we're a new creation in Christ, or a new creature in Christ. So God literally, in the process of transforming into his disciples and being made new through the process, through this plan of salvation that God had, God literally takes who we are, and he knows who we are, and he literally creates something new in us when we respond by faith to his sacrifice on the cross for us, That leads us to that act of obedience and listen to uh, uh, in obedience in water and spirit baptism. And so, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in uh, Corinthians, continues on and he says this in verses 18 through 21. And all of this is a gift from God, all of it. He's the source, we can't find it anywhere else who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Speaking to the church. For God was in Christ, reconciling Himself, the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. That sounds like a life I want to be a part of. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. Yes, let's give him some praise for that this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The hope of a new life. Every caterpillar has the hope of a new life. The one difference in this analogy is that every caterpillar turns into a butterfly. They don't have choice. We're caterpillars. We are all caterpillars. We're just caterpillars. But we do have a choice whether or not we want that new life as a butterfly. Amen. So as I'm drawing to a close here, a couple more concluding comments about this butterfly, uh, the story of the butterfly. You probably thought I was done, but I've got some new info. It continues. Because whoever, whoever said in these papers here that the butterfly is one of the best natural uh, examples in nature for personal change, was right, because the analogy just continues. It doesn't end with the little butterfly coming out of the chrysalis. You know, listen to this. It continues to apply to our transformation in Christ as we walk and we live as his disciples in this life until he calls us home. The butterfly has to learn how to adapt to its new existence, and it has to learn that it has a new purpose. It's truly incredible how this aligns with the ongoing transformation in our Christian lives. And so next slide, uh, please, of the butterfly. So this process isn't super fast. It's not super smooth. It's not perfect from beginning to end for the butterfly. And I kind of took comfort in that because it's nice to know that humans aren't the only people who have a hard time with change or not people, I mean butterflies aren't people, but not the only thing that has a hard time with change. Uh, Butterflies do too. They got to figure it out. And so an excerpt from one article that I came across said, when a butterfly emerges from its chrysalis for the first time, the wings are wet and wrinkled. They're like, what's this? The butterfly has to learn to expand to dry them off as soon as it emerges. I mean, in baptism, we're soaking wet. I mean, this is, come on. This is awesome. Now you guys can all envision yourselves being butterflies when you go down. Who wants to be baptized again? Just to be, no, I'm kidding. Uh, It applies the first time and you never have to do it again. Okay. So uh, the butterfly has to dry out its wings and to do this, it uses its body as, you know, this, it said there's this, this pump and a force. There's a fluid that goes through its wings that are kind of like veins, and it inflates like a balloon, you know. Poof, poof, you know, they start coming up, coming up, and they're like, oh, these are nice. This is great. What do I do with these, though? They slowly stretch the surface of the wings, and, you know, and then the butterfly also has to get rid of that waste that was produced during its transformation, and, um, and so it kind of cleanses its its little uh, sensory, you know, the little thing that goes into the nectar, you know, because now it even eats new food. It has a new diet. It doesn't even, you know, its, its sustenance isn't even the same anymore, where it gets its uh, life from. And so all of this takes place before the butterfly even takes flight. It hasn't even tried out its new life yet. It's just struggling. Anybody struggled in their new life? I'd say yes. Um, maybe that's why I was reading about butterflies this week because it's a, it's been a struggle. I, we're struggling sometimes in our in our new life, but God is good to us, and and so this process isn't smooth for us as well. Is my point? In our strength, in our new life, it comes from God. Wherever we found our source of strength or or sustenance or food before, so to speak, you know, spiritually. Um, It's new in Christ. God is our strength. That's why we can get through the struggle. And he's our source of our salvation until the end of this life. And whatever this life can't be made uh, perfect, and we struggle, some things we're going to struggle with in this life for the whole life, our whole lives. But heaven will make everything right again. And that's our hope to hang on. Amen. Yes. All things will be made right in heaven. And so, our strength comes from God in this new life. And so, uh, let me explain here for the butterfly. I kind of already mentioned that, you know, a butterfly can't um, sustain itself on the diet of a caterpillar. Once a caterpillar becomes this butterfly, it can't survive on leafy greens anymore. Um, butterflies don't eat leaves, they drink from nectar, nectar from flowers, excuse me. And this is one reason why the science world says that caterpillars and butterflies, they can coexist in their natural habitat because they don't even compete for the same food. They don't, you know, hey, that was mine, I'm going to die because you ate it. No, they don't even compete for the same food. Oh, I don't need that anymore, caterpillar, you can have it. I don't want it anymore. You can have it. Its appetite changes. And if a butterfly tried to eat a diet of leaves again, it would die eventually. And so Jesus calls himself, I know I'm bouncing around in scripture, but I'm just going to reference this one. Jesus calls himself the bread of life in John chapter 6, verse 35. And he says, whoever comes to him will never hunger again. And also in Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus said, says, people do not live by bread alone. So when we're in our new life, we, we can't live on bread alone. It doesn't sustain us. What sustained us in the physical doesn't sustain us in the natural. What sustained us in our old life won't sustain us in our new life. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's our new bread. So when we become this new creation in Christ, we can expect that our spiritual appetite's going to change. It's part of the transformation. And it's a good thing because it's an indicator uh, that we are becoming more like Christ and we desire his ways and not our old ways anymore. And as this new creation in Christ, we can feast on the bread of life. Amen. So what I'm getting at is, Cater- uh, 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 is that butterflies shouldn't try to act like a caterpillar again. And if a butterfly returns to that caterpillar's diet, you know, just like in the natural sense, if we return to the diet that we once had, it will result in our spiritual death. So instead, feast on the bread of life. And Jesus said, you won't hunger again. Amen. Amen. He rescues us from that spiritual death. And his, God is the source of our uh, spiritual hunger. He is the source. It will sustain us in and through this life. You know, with the hope that we will one day be eternally with Him. Amen. If you would stand with me, I have come to a close in the sermon portion. But I want us to give uh, to give all of us and our online listeners as well an opportunity to respond to the wonderful bread of life. All the analogies. We were all around the analogies today in this sermon, I know. But uh, the Lord has something for us. He has a gift for us. He has a gift of water baptism. If you have not experienced that, uh, seek the Lord about that. Ask questions like Nicodemus did, search the scriptures. Uh, Meet God in prayer and he will answer you. He will provide the answers for you. If you have not yet experienced spirit baptism in Christ, the way it's recorded in the book of Acts and the Lord has carried it out through the many, 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 many years following for his people. God has that gift for you today, amen. You're welcome to come and to pray in our altars if you feel safe doing that. You're welcome to pray where you are. But let's go ahead and give God our attention. Let's let God stir whatever God's stirring. I don't know what that is for you. I'm not going to try and guess. You and God know. But I know that God wanted each of us to hear this morning. The beautiful creation that he makes. He's the source of being made into a beautiful creation. Just like the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. The process isn't always comfortable. The process isn't The process might be a little painful, we might want to resist it, but God is gracious, he's merciful, and if you'll turn to him, he has what I talked about today, ready for you. Amen, amen, amen. If you're somebody here this morning or listening, and you're someone who's experienced this uh, process, this gift of transformation, if you know of a loved one, a neighbor, we all know our world needs Jesus. If we could just spend time praying for those who are hungry. They are done with the diet of the world. They're done. They're done with what they've been feasting on, but they're not quite sure how, what that next thing is. What, what, what can I have next? What can I eat next? Uh, what is there for me? They don't know yet. Let's pray for them. Let's lift it up. Let's lift up the needs of our world, our families, uh, the people that we are around week to week. Jesus, 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 we thank you. Oh, Lord, for your message of hope this morning. We pray with one another, Lord. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus, for the hope, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Praise your name today.